0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m.
1: Good evening, everyone. I'm Allison Ware. That's spelled like you wear your clothes, W-E-A-R. If if you're a visual person like me. Yeah. Uh, It's really a gift to be with you. So in my family, my extended family doesn't live close by, and so we, when we have birthdays, we refer to it as the birthday season. And so I received my first birthday gift. Um, my birthday was Thursday. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I received my first birthday gift in, like, early July. My mom sent it along with my kid who was coming home. And um, I have been thinking about a series of celebrations this week. Uh, I've invited friends to come along to things I wanted to do and say, come celebrate my birthday. So I said, this is a gift tonight. I invited folks to come be with us tonight. I'm like, this is a gift to be, to be with you. What an honor. So thanks uh, for the gift. Um, yeah. So it is Pastor Rotation Week, in case you're wondering why Joshua is not here. Joshua is at North Broad? Yes. Is that right? Okay, so once a quarter, the pastors rotate around. And I'm part of the Ridge Avenue congregation. And Julie Hoke is our pastor. She was scheduled to be on vacation this weekend. And so she is learning about sharing the load. And so uh, she was talking with Johnny, who was also supposed to be on vacation. And he asked somebody else to talk. And she was like, I can do that. (laughs) I think I'll do that. So the sad thing is, she's not on vacation yet, because her kids are sick. So we're going to say a prayer for Julie, and even sadder, I probably got her kids sick. Wow. My, kids, my kids had a fever this week, and now her kids have a fever, and they went to the zoo together on Monday. Sorry, sorry, Julie. Um, so just a bit about me. So we, we're rotating. Five, uh, five meetings happening today. Rachel spoke at uh, Marlton Pike this morning. Um, Johnny, who is not speaking, Trisha Fusaro is speaking at Ridge. You know this better than me. Is she at South Broad? So who's it? So Joshua is at, at Ridge. Josh was at North Broad, I just said that. Ben is at Ridge F. Thank you. So, big shuffle. Helps us stay connected, right? So, I was realizing as I was preparing, I don't think I've ever been to a Sunday evening meeting in this space. I've been to lots of meetings in this space, but I don't think I've been to a Sunday evening meeting. So it's good to be together. Um, And I wanted to share just a bit about my connection to Jesus and my connection to Circle of Hope. So I have been a part of Circle of Hope since about 2001, when I needed a place to live or roommates. And someone said, go to Circle of Hope. You can find roommates or a place to live there. And we are still like that, aren't we, almost 20 years later? Um, that's still true. Um, so uh, it's good to be with you. Um, Julie said, bring a talk that you already have that Frankfurt, the Frankfurt Ave hasn't heard yet, so I went through my files. And uh, I pulled out a talk that I prepared back in 2012, and I had shared at South Broad and at Marlton Pike at that time. Um, and I had been serving as the leader of the Capacity Core team. Are you familiar with this? In our, in our network, we make up words for things, right? Or we use them in new ways to reflect how we're doing life together, right? In an organic way. So the Capacity Core team is uh, in partnership with the church planting, compassion, and capacity. They work together um, to do the work that God is calling us to Um, Other organizations might refer to that as operations, Um, but we're thinking about it theologically. We're thinking about the capacity that God is giving our body to do the work God's calling us to. Um, And so I was talking a lot about uh, how we use our resources. And as I'm hearing about what's happening at Frankfurt Ave and across our network, I think this, uh, this talk that God was giving me about how we use our resources and make good choices um, with that is even more relevant today. Um, So I've updated some things, but this is a a thought that's been been brewing in me for a while. Um, So briefly, one decision we made about our resources recently. So I'm part of Ridge Ave. We're uh, we're renting space from St. Timothy's Church, and our congregation is now larger than St. Timothy's Church. Yeah. And so we meet in this space that's got a giant graveyard in front. Who's been there? It's nice. Their sanctuary is lovely. We did our Holy Week observance in there because it was Jesus in the temple, so we were in the, in the stained glass space. Um, but we've been looking for a space and praying about what God could have for us, and we have been eyeing this space on Shelton Ave for over a year. Hi, guys. Come on in. <laughs> and um, just a few weeks ago, we reached the unfortunate conclusion that we couldn't continue with the deal that we had for the space. It was too much of a risk for our congregation and for our network. We learned that there might be these environmental contaminants in the space, and we uh, think cleaning up environmental problems is a worthwhile cause, but it is not the work of Circle of Hope. Amen, right? That's not what we're spending our resources on. Somebody else can do that. We're not doing that. Um, And so we think together about how we use our resources. Um, So when I read our financial reports and look at the impact of our congregations, I'm reminded of a story in scripture that's often called Jesus Feeding the 5,000. This story is recorded in all four Gospels. Gospels means literally good news about the life of Jesus, the first four books of the New Testament. If you're new to the faith... Uh, I recommend starting there. Don't start at Genesis. That's a tough place to start reading the Bible. Am I right? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all those are great places to start. Mark is really quick. So if you want a quick overview, you could read it in like a day or two. It's a good place to learn about Jesus. So this miracle called Feeding the 5,000 is the only miracle apart from the resurrection that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. So it's significant. Um, So we're putting the text up. Um, I have an assignment for us. Can we figure out who the youngest guy is in the room? And I would like for the youngest guy, <laughs> not Julius. <laughs> Sorry. 30. Oh, 30. 30, 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 33. 38. <gasps> it's you. Could you read it for us? Okay, great. Thank you. Read slowly so we can kind of take it in like you're reading a story. Thank you.
0: After this. He himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months waited would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place. So they sat down, about 5,000 then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world when jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king he withdrew again to the mountain by himself
1: thanks greg any ideas why i had the youngest guy in the room read it the little boy had the things things. he shared his lunch right so i wanted us to think about that so some context about this passage it's really famous account right um in several of the gospel accounts this happened soon after Jesus got word of John the Baptist's beheading. Remember him? John, saw ba- John the Baptist saw himself as Jesus' forerunner. He said, prepare ye the way for the Lord. You may remember that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. That's how he got his name. So after Jesus heard the news of John the Baptist's beheading, he had withdrawn for some solitude. You ever try and get away and you have a hard time? I'm a parent. It's really hard to use the bathroom by myself. Like, There's always somebody. My dog sniffs at the door when I'm using the bathroom. It's obnoxious. Um, Yeah, it's hard to be alone. Jesus had this trouble too. Uh, He'd withdrawn for some solitude, but a crowd followed him into the countryside, eager to hear Jesus' teachings. And they wanted to experience healing and renewal like Martha's been talking about tonight. Now, when we read these types of accounts in the Bible, our modern Western ears might wonder if this actually happened, right? 5,000 people is a lot of people. It's important to remember that the Bible might better be described as a library of books, a shelf of books rather than a single book. The Bible includes several types of writing, history, wisdom, poetry, gospel, epistles, prophecy, and apocalyptic literature. Each serves a different purpose. Not all are intended to be taken verbatim as historical fact. Sometimes we forget that, right? Two that are not intended to be taken verbatim as historical fact are parables, stories to illustrate a principle, like the sower where he was sowing seeds, some went on the thorns, some went in rocky ground. That's a a parable to help you understand. The lost coin, the prodigal son, those are not things that literally happen. They're a story to help you illustrate something. The other is eschatological writing. Those are prophecies about the future or the end times, like in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament or Revelation in the New Testament. They might be written in code to veil the meaning, detailing the author's visions of the end times as revealed by a heavenly messenger. This account of feeding the 5,000 is not a parable. It is not a scatological writing. These texts are written as events that truly happened. New Testament scholar John Drain writes, at an early stage, Christians believed that Jesus performed miracles. With evidence from Jewish sources, it seems clear that most people who knew anything at all about Jesus' ministry believed that he had done remarkable deeds. This belief was quite independent of whether or not they were themselves Christians. It was understood. This text is full of miracles. While grieving the brutal murder of his partner in ministry, Jesus was healing the sick. Following this account, Jesus' disciples set out on the water and encounter a storm. They are terrified. Um, And Jesus walks on the water to come meet them and bring some calm. Tonight, we're going to focus on two miracles. The first is, with five loaves and two fish, Jesus fed a crowd of 5,000 men. However, during the time this account was recorded, only the men were numbered. Scholars estimate that if women and children had been included in the count, it would have been three to four times that. So in Jesus' day, 20,000 people would have filled the theater for citizen assembly of a major city like Ephesus. For comparison, the Wells Fargo Center, where the Sixers play, if you're not familiar, it holds 19,500 people. So think about your favorite trust the process people and how many people that would be to feed with five loaves and two fish. Jesus had just spoken about Moses just before this happened, and then he went on to perform a sign that might be expected of a new prophet like Moses. Moses provided manna, remember? Crazy, what is this? Fell from the sky to provide and feed hungry people. The miracles of Jesus are, are about meeting needs, healing sick, feeding the crowds, casting out demons. They're not about showing power. John Drain, again, compares Jesus to other magicians and miracle workers of Jesus' time and says, Jesus' work is characterized not by a quest for power, but by humble service of God and loving actions among other people. The miracles, like his teaching and preaching, were a call for faith and obedience from those who experienced and witnessed them. Because of Jesus' miracle here, everyone had more than enough to eat and the leftovers filled 12 baskets. These aren't like the ones that like, you put your bread in, your cornbread at Thanksgiving. They, they were probably more like the traveling baskets that the disciples carried, closer in size to a backpack to carry their supplies. The leftovers were considerably more than they started with. It was a Roman custom to always have some food left over after a meal to indicate more than adequate provision. So in feeding the 5,000, more like 20,000, right? Jesus reveals himself as the ultimate host. There's a second miracle in this story that I think is even uh, more surprising. The boy or the lad who is mentioned in the John account felt that his lunchbox was worth sharing. This young man was no older than 11, so probably about Owen Snook's age. I don't think Owen is here tonight. Is he 11 yet? Who knows? We were guessing. Maybe he's going to be 11 soon. He turned 11. Okay. So no older than 11 because if he were 12, he would have been referred to in the text as a man. He would have had his, his bar mitzvah by then. So although this young boy had five barley loaves, the cheapest kind of bread, and two fish, um, he, it was more than enough for his lunch. Maybe it was lunch for his family, Um, but when the disciples began looking among the crowd for food, he stepped up to share. He felt confident about what he had to offer. This young man believed that his small offering could make a difference. So I asked my daughter, I have an eight-year-old, I asked her if I could borrow her lunchbox to use as an illustration. She's eight, I also have a four-year-old and a three-year-old. And I was thinking about what sort of um, food might be a modern-day equivalent. So this is orange bread. Does anybody know this bread? This is the bread that you get when you are on wick. I get wick checks for my family. It's not very good bread. It's probably like the barley loaves that the boy brought. I've also got some ramen noodles. Who loves oodles and noodles? My kids love them. And maybe maybe some baby carrots. If you'd like to have a snack while we eat and think about what it might have been like for these 20,000 people, I'm gonna pass this around. You can take a look and think about what that might have been like. Sorry, the bread's not very good. Maybe as a grilled cheese, that's the best way to improve it, right? You gotta slather a lot of butter on it. (laughs) So those are the two miracles in this story that um, with five loaves and two fish, Jesus fed a crowd of 5,000 men, but that also the boy who's mentioned felt his lunchbox was worth sharing. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. So what can we learn from this text and apply it to where we're living, the decisions that we're making about our resources, both individually, in our households, in our lives, and collectively. So first we need to be willing to share and we do this well in Circle of Hope. I'm amazed at the loaves and fishes moments that we have all the time in our network. I feel like I've, I've learned this from you, your congregation specifically. I hear Vanessa Caruso when I think about um, identifying the scarcity mentality and instead stepping into the abundance mentality. Is this familiar to you? Somebody remember Vanessa? We love Vanessa, yeah. Oh good, you're having some carrots, thanks Martha. So scarcity is this idea that there's a fixed pie and that if someone has some of it and someone else gets some, then that means someone is losing their piece of pie. So it's better to take what you can get, get all you can have and not share because we're going to run out of stuff, right? The abundance mentality, though, flows out of a deep inner sense of personal worth and security. It's the idea that there's plenty out there and enough to spare for everybody. It results in sharing, prestige, recognition, profits, decision-making. It opens possibilities for everyone. So we want to live in that abundance mentality, knowing that God provides. There is an example in Luke 21 of the widow who brought a mite. It was a very small coin, probably like a penny. Jesus looked up, and he saw the rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And he saw a poor widow who put in two very small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in in more than all the others. All these people gave gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. That's the widow. In Circle of Hope, we do some great work on sharing our resources and time. People are often finding meaningful work, affordable housing, giving away resources. Just this week, Robbie gave away a dining room table and shelves, if you're on the share board, you can get in on these kinds of things. People are always posting jobs that they know about or they're looking for a job, or they need an apartment, or they have a cat to share. It was a lot of cats for a while. <laughs> I don't know if there's a cat on there right now. But we share all the time. It's like second nature to us um, to do this level of sharing. We volunteer on mission teams. We care for each other's kids, like I gave Julie's kids the, the flu this week. Um, we lead cells. We help people move across town. When I first became a Covenant member, a friend of mine said, being in Covenant with each other and being in a cell together, those are your people who are your moving crew. And one summer we moved five people in our cell, like everybody was in transition, and that was who showed up was your cell group. Have you experienced this? Have you? Yeah, yeah. Summer is the season for changes, right? Yeah. So that's what we do. We've made deliberate choices about how we approach financial giving in Circle of Hope. Public meetings are an open gathering for welcoming new people, and those who have been on, a, on the journey with us for a while. We do not issue pre-printed envelopes to our covenant members. I got one of those when I was a kid every week. They were different colors. And there was a box I could check. Does anybody else do this? There was a box I could check if I read my Bible that week. What were the other boxes? Did you have some boxes too? Yeah, praying, maybe inviting a friend or something. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I got excited about giving because of that, but it also could make you feel real bad if you don't have something to give. So there's a lot to that. So we, we made a choice. We have an offering box in the back. Where is the offering box? Okay, yeah, oh, it's got, it's like laser cut. It's fancy. We have one of those too at Ridge Ave. We usually mention the box during our newsing time, but we don't make a big deal out of it. We want to be funded by partners, and not the obligated attender who gets coerced into throwing a few bucks into the offering plate. I went to a church one time where they pass the plates. and was so surprised by this. They pass the plates once and we're like, you know, going through our pockets. Like, okay, we got something. And then later they pass the plates again. And we're like, we already gave everything we had. What do we do? So two two times. Um, So it's not what we do here. Um, We also recognize that everyone's in a different place financially. We go through different seasons. Um, I think though as a result of our care and caution around this we might be missing out on partners because we don't tell the story as often. Um, our capacity core team and our common fund team track our income and expenses, of course they call it sources, income, and uses, spending, and um, they help us get a clear picture. And um, we're working to build partners. We are casting a vision. We just came out with our map. I heard there were little cool things of the map, and I didn't get one because I wasn't at the Love Feast. Where are they? Are there some here at the info? No. They're not, here yet. They're not here yet. Oh, sorry. Okay, great. It has that picture on it, right, that Jeffy made. So this was inspired by our mapping process. We're looking for God to guide us, and so he had this hand, and the light, and the lighthouse, and the light bulb. So we're discerning together where we're going, and that includes how we're spending our resources, our resources of people, our spaces. We're discerning it together. Yeah, so we're being willing to share. The second thing we can learn from this this text about feeding the 5,000 is that we always should give thanks for what we have. All four gospel accounts record Jesus giving thanks, Sometimes lifting his head toward heaven and then breaking the bread and fish to share. When I imagine the scene on that hillside, I imagine it much like our times when we observe communion together during our Sunday meetings, or maybe at a love feast, where our coordinators share a mindful way of um, sharing the account of the Last Supper and the disciples breaking bread. Sometimes we line up, sometimes we pass it around, we, we pass to each other. So we're always giving thanks Giving thanks for our resources, not only centers our hearts and minds on Jesus, but it has the power to transform our resources into much more. Third thing we learned from this account is that we need to get organized in in how we manage our resources. In the Matthew and Mark accounts of this event, Jesus asks his disciples to have the crowd gather in groups of 50 to 100. This helped organize the massive meal So again, if we're only counting the men present, 5,000 men divided into groups of 100 means 50 groups, assuming that each man was looking out for the women and children with him, since that's the way it worked back then. The disciples would have been responsible for about four groups of men. Jesus asked the crowd to sit down in the grass. Some translations say recline, that's how they ate. Back then, they used to lay down. This simple direction helped the crowd stay put while Jesus and his disciples distributed the abundance. As Jesus had a plan for distributing this miraculous meal, Circle of Hope's um, capacity teams are working to keep our network of congregations organized to make the most of our resources. Our common fund teams, site management teams, and technology teams serve like a trellis for the tomato plant that is our four, five congregations. I'm reading my old notes. Five congregations supporting laying a framework for growth. And then we watch how God multiplies our resources. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not advocating a prosperity theology, a health and wealth kind of gospel. We don't believe that as Christians we are entitled to financial success and material abundance. We know, however, that all resources are God's. We are entrusted as stewards. We can be confident that Jesus, that God blesses sharing. Jesus is still in the business of miracles. Over the last few decades, Circle of Hope has collected some proverbs about what God is teaching us about life together. I'm often reminded of our proverb, sharing our resources brings freedom and unleashes power. Some examples of how Jesus continues to multiply our resources. Um, in the hands of Jesus, our modest spaces, like the one we're in now, host amazing celebrations. In the time since Circle of Hope purchased this building, 2000 Frankfurt Ave., it's hosted a thrift store that outgrew the space. It's hosted, I've been to like three weddings here, <laughs> um, concerts, recording studio, Uh, all kinds of parties and celebrations, a a co-op was born here in this humble space. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. In the hands of Jesus, baby clothes and gear are shared by many families. You know the origin of the BGX, right? The baby goods exchange. So when we started Circle Thrift, now was it 15 years, almost 15 years ago, 14? 14? Fifteen years ago, we were having a hard time selling all the kids' stuff, and so uh, it just kept stacking up, stacking up, stacking up. So Martha decided, "Okay, let's do a special where you can fill a bag for a dollar, take kids' stuff." Still wasn't enough to get it going, and so Martha said, "Am I remembering this wrong? You're looking at me like I'm." You are. Okay. That's okay. Okay. You sell it your way. Okay. Good. Yeah. That we, we had so much, we wanted to start sharing it and we wanted to get it into the right hands. So now, almost every month, we have an opportunity where people can bring the stuff they're done with and share it with who needs it next. Um, I remember talking with Aubrey White, she said that um, she saw a kid wearing a shirt and she said, Josiah, my oldest, wore that shirt, and then Dominic Cragnelli wore it, Brendan, her second son, wore it, and then Asher Walton wore it. Same, Same shirt, worn by four different kids. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. In the hands of Jesus, thrift store purchases fund relief, development, and peacemaking around the globe in the name of Christ. Um, Gwen White, our teaching pastor, a lot of us call her Dr. Gwen, she serves on the, the board for Mennonite Central Committee. She just spent some time down at the border, um, standing alongside the work that our partners in MCC are doing with folks who are coming over. When you shop at Circle Thrift, you're supporting this peacemaking work. You know this better than I do, right? So buying that dollar T-shirt or furniture for your living room can help orphans reach safety, can help immigrants be treated with dignity. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. In the hands of Jesus, offering box gifts... Support a staff, including six full-time and four part-time staff members. I'm going to work on the count here, right? Five congregational pastors, a hub team leader, operations manager, development pastor, communications manager, teaching pastor, um, and probably several others. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. In the hands of Jesus, Circle of Hope's Mutuality Fund, renamed from the Compassion Fund, helps people in our community catch up on rent, handle emergency car repairs, recover from illness. Um, our Compassion Corps members could share all kinds of stories about how this has made a big change in people's lives. We have an internal tithe. 10% of our sharing goes to this, uh, to causes outside of our basic needs. Uh, this share ha- sharing happens in relationship, not by anonymous committee. If you know of a need, please talk to your cell leader and see how we can help. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. In the hands of Jesus, we um, Circle of Hope tiles, ties another 10% to our denominations work. The Brethren in Christ Hunger Fund and other ministries... Brethren in Christ Cooperative Ministries, and Mennonite Central Committee. Our congregations, in turn, have benefited from this denominational support. So we started a new congregation at Ridge Ave almost two years ago now, and we're receiving some support from the denomination for that. Um, They've also helped start several other congregations. In the hands of Jesus, a boy's lunchbox becomes an all-you-can-eat buffet. Um, two more things we've learned from the story. We can expect misunderstanding. After Jesus multiplied those loaves and fishes, those got, gathered on the hillside got it twisted. They thought that Jesus was trying to become king. They, the crowds wanted an earthly leader like Moses, one who could overthrow the Romans, but that was not Jesus' mission. He had to flee because they were so excited. They're like, oh, this is the one we've been waiting for. This type of sharing that we do in our network is uncommon. Passing baby gear around, giving out low-cost counseling, living in community, there's bound to be some confusion. Every time we do a baby goods exchange, for example, there's someone who is expecting their first child and says, I don't have anything to give away. This kid has not outgrown anything yet. right?" And so we have to say, no, just come. (laughs) It's okay. There are plenty of people who are done with other stuff. With Jesus' love and clear communication, we can sort it out. We're going to keep telling the story. Jesus is bringing resurrection, renewal, abundant life. Let's keep sharing the story.
0: Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.